0: Welcome to Live Sense8, I'm Sheila Applegate
1: And I'm Zach Hansen
0: and a special shout out to Justin Applegate for the composition of the Live Sensate podcast music. In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sensate. We're doing an episode by episode exploration of how we can live a sensate life. And we're also talking with cast and crew and team members of Sense8 to hear the experience from their perspective.
1: Enjoy the show.
0: All right, let's talk about what's going on in the world of Sense8. Perhaps the most significant thing recently happening was Sense8 Con 2 in Paris. Brian, Michael, Sandy, Erendira, and Tina... All showed up to share and talk about their experience with Sense8. I heard they did some improv. That would have been fun. From the pictures and all of the reports coming from the fan world on Facebook and Twitter, it seems as if everyone had an amazing time. And they announced Sense8Con 3. Coming up next year. So that's pretty exciting. Thank you to everyone that is helping make that happen so that the Sense8 phenomenon continues. As you know from earlier episodes, Martin Earhart is working on a documentary of Sense8. He traveled to many of the Sense8 locations leading up to his finale at. Sensei Con in Paris. So he has a lot of new footage for this documentary and he was able to interview some of the actors in Paris. So we're excited to hear updates on that and look forward to the final documentary when he brings this all together. Martin also surprised us by bringing our consciously awesome wristbands to Paris. So thank you, Martin. And thank you to Matteo and Aina who also helped spread the wristbands and the consciously awesome way of being to people across the world. singing Delaren got some awesome shots of Brian wearing the wristband on stage. So that was really cool. Thank you all for that. And for those of you who went to the website, Consciously Awesome website, and looked for Something Blue and got your special secret message, even if you weren't there just by seeing the wristbands on Twitter or Facebook or listening to us now, head on over to that website, find the secret page, Something Blue. And when you do, leave us a comment and you will get your own personal message from us in a very sensate way. Singin' Dalaran also did a blog. Well, I've seen la- I've seen her first blog, but she's doing a blog series on Sensei Khan. So the first one was awesome, and I'm sure there's more to come. So if you want to live vicariously through those who went to SenseiCon, head on over to Twitter or Facebook and check out those posts. All right, we have another special guest here with us today, and we're looking forward to getting back to this We are fortunate to have with us again today, L. Trey Wilson. You know him as one of Amanita's dads in Sense8. And if you've heard the episode from our panel discussion in San Francisco, you already love him. He is an actor, writer, director, producer, teaching artist, and facilitator. He's originally from Chicago, and now he makes his home in Los Angeles. As an actor, he has worked in theater, television, film, and radio. His credits are numerous. They do include Six Degrees of Separation, A Few Good Men, The Secret Garden, Law and Order, Monk, Speed Racer, and, of course, the Netflix series Since 8. Welcome, Trey.
1: Yeah, welcome to the show, The Real Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you.
0: I wanted to say the real dad, (laughs) but I kept it (laughs) formal for the introduction.
1: (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) It's our little uh, inside joke from San Francisco.
2: That's right.
0: Yeah. So it is so great to be back with you. We had such a wonderful time with you in San Francisco. And want to thank you again for making the trip from L.A. to be with us.
2: Oh, that was was my pleasure. I had a great time as well. And I really like driving long distances, so it oh. was fine for me. Interesting. Awesome. Very cool. That's great. Yeah.
0: Have you done yeah. a lot of travel by car?
2: I have. I've driven cross-country twice.
0: Nice.
2: And um, if I can drive, I usually would make that choice to drive.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I have told other people that I think one of my best skills is to be a long-distance driving companion. Oh, oh. That's a good yes.
1: skill. That is Very good unique skill. too.
2: I know, right? Of course, there doesn't seem to be a lot of you know, demand for that. <laughs> right. So I a, a new service. service. You
0: might not be presenting right, it yeah. in the right forums. <laughs> right. <laughs> I've,
2: I've, I've done acting and writing all that stuff because I can't really <laughs> seem to get much work in my real like profession. Your real passion course, Which is long distance <laughs> driving companion.
0: Companion. So you like to be the person in the. The passenger seat.
2: Yes, and. See, the reason why I'm so good at this is because I can drive long distances. I can do the driving. I can drive at night. I love driving at night. I drive during the day. But also, I can be in the passenger seat and keep something someone company as they drive.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I uh, bring snacks, healthy snacks, not so nice. healthy. <laughs> I love all types of music. I'm good with any type of music. I can read and drive or write. I mean, read <laughs> and Drive. Not drive while well, I read, but drive in a car. Oh, read.
0: okay. I'm like, that's not <laughs> so really a good idea. <laughs>
2: I, so I can read to someone if they just want to hear something read. Without getting sick. Um, I think nice. I carry on conversation decently well, so I can talk, but also I'm good with silences, so I can just sit and be and enjoy the landscape. So nice. I'm really gifted in that. Trey, I, I'm sold. Where do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> I How can I, I hire you? <laughs> I think I should you know, get hired myself out somehow. Yeah, I think
0: you could. You Try just it need out. A I'm sure. Yeah. I am
2: sure
1: somebody would enjoy that. Actually, <laughs> like people these days <laughs> actually, are actually <laughs> taking people for a walk now. Like they hire people to take <laughs> them out for a walk. I'm not even kidding. Like there's just wow. like this type of like. You know, we're kind of in this situation with our society where we're at that level where we can afford to do these things.
0: I just remembered there is a real job like this, it, but it's for because um, I got hired to do some um, training for an organ- a nonprofit organization, and they work with women. I mean, this is specific. There might be others, but they work with women like around fifty and older usually Uh either recently divorced or widowed who have you are used to having a partner that helps Mm -hmm. them and they help them with everything like if they weren't doing the finances but one of the things they do is they will be a companion um when they need to travel because they don't want to travel alone Uh
2: oh that's nice and you know i also heard of another area that there's uh people that are afraid of crossing bridges oh really and so there are people that will ride in the car with you or perhaps drive your car across a bridge. Hmm. There's a term for that phobia. Right? Yeah, I, know I do know is.
0: people with that phobia, wow, but you still idea. have to get them across. You just drive it for them.
2: And yeah, you <laughs> They just still drive have to be it.
0: in the
2: car, right? Yeah, yep, in the car and drive them across the bridge. And then on the other side, you're out. Yeah. Wow.
0: wow. Yeah.
2: yeah, that's new well, to me for sure.
0: That can be your next job. <laughs> you know. <laughs>
2: Because you don't uh, have that much going. That's yeah. a, right. a version. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for looking out, you guys. Yeah, no <laughs> problem. We got your back. Thanks for, thanks for putting case. the word out there.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> don't come to us when you get all those weird inquiries. <laughs> it's not our fault. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, let's talk a little bit about Sensei When we... Did When we met in San Francisco, you did tell the story of how you came to have the part of the real dad. But just in case some of the listeners to this episode haven't yet heard that one, can you tell that story a little bit about coming to take that part?
2: Absolutely. After the first season of Sense8, I had dinner with Lana. Mm -hmm. And Lana, writer, director, producer, Sense8, we're friends. And I gushed. I was like, Lana, the sensei is fantastic. It's amazing. And I, probably for the next, I'd say, 30 minutes, I was saying, and that scene with Sun, when she did this, and then then that time when Will did that, and then what about that? And I went on and on and on. And and I could see Lana looking at me with appreciation, but also a little (laughs) like, okay, (laughs) I just want to eat. So... Uh, but I, I really, I was such a fan of the show and I was so appreciative and admiring of her for having created such a show. And I said that what's so great about the show outside of all the action, all the fun and all the humor and all the stuff that's in the show, it was the, the sense of sense eight. It was the quality of caring and the quality of loving and the quality of supporting and the quality of giving and being present for other people that felt like it felt like drinking water on a thirsty desert island for me it Mm -hmm. felt like I was I was in need of that kind of um, compassion and empathy and sensitivity and all that stuff and I think I think it really appealed to me in so many ways so anyway so I (laughs) did that with her and then and then I said by the way and so I started giving her suggestions of (laughs) of for second season (laughs) a subtle i say subtle maybe for her it didn't land as subtle <laughs> but it's a subtle implication that that part that i'm having her consider writing could work for an actor like me <laughs> so i I said you know wouldn't it be interesting if dot 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 and you know what we kind of what what might be good for the next season is dot 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 and so once again i you know saw in her lovely eyes the look of uh huh. Uh-huh. Can we have dessert now? But uh, but so anyway, that was how. It, that's how I think I laid the foundation for it. And then come second season, she gave me a call and asked me if I would be interested in doing a part of the show. And of course, then it's like, oh gosh, well, what's what's the timetable for this? Hmm, let's see. You know, of course. I had no timetable. I was right? like, yes, yes, absolutely, yes, and anytime, yes. But you know, you can't do that. Just play a little hard to get,
0: <laughs> because she I, believed li- it, right? <laughs> I'm sure she believed you're hard to
2: get. You had to put on your acting skills. <laughs> she didn't buy it at all. <laughs> I'm sure she didn't buy it at all. <laughs> she's probably she's probably rolling her eyes on the other side. Right? Of her, like, oh, just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. Just say yes. So that's how it came to be, that I got the great fortune of being a participant in the great show.
1: So did any of your ideas make it into (laughs) season two?
2: (laughs) Not a one. Uh, But you did. Not a single one. (laughs) And I'm not taking it personally. Not one.
0: (laughs) But you made it in. I
2: did. did. That was... But the intention was achieved. The goal was achieved.
0: Right. (laughs) That's awesome. So you mentioned the feel of it when you were watching, which obviously people around the world could tell that the difference in this series versus so many other um, beautiful series out there. Yes. You've also worked with them in the past. So did you notice a difference once you got to the set? Was there a different feel in the whole way that this came, grew life, I guess, too?
2: I guess the only difference I noted was that because they had worked together for a year Mm -hmm. prior, Mm -hmm. that there was such an ease in terms of how things were done. It was a really calm set. It was so catering to the actors that would come on every time what Lana did this time. and Maybe she does this all the the time, but I noticed it this time, that whenever an actor was completed for that day and were returning, she would give them a hug Mm. of appreciation and recognition. And the whole crew was so supportive and we applauded them when they left. It was, it was a lovely, warm environment, um, and I think it, that came from the familiarity of being with each other yeah, having sense. a sense of each other.
0: Yeah. Have you experienced things like that on other sets? Um, not with them, but just in general, because you've done a lot from theater to television.
2: You know, it really, really varies, and I think it really does. It's one of those occasions or situations where it really stems from the top down. Mm-hmm. The person who is in charge, so to speak, really creates the environment, right? And gives a sense to everybody else how to relate to the environment. And I think Lana does it in a way that is loving and caring, and is very similar to the themes of her shows. Mm-hmm.
1: Have you been able to, or do you take that attitude into the work that you do when you're when you're that person?
2: Yeah, I do. I'd like to believe I do. I think it's important to appreciate people for their work and their time and their effort. And I think that personally, you get the best out of people in a situation that is calm and comfortable and supportive. And that's how I, those are environments I like to be in personally. So I like to create those environments around right. me.
1: No wonder you're such a great companion to have on long trips.
2: (laughs) Exactly.
0: There's going to be a career change at the
2: end of this episode. (laughs) Thank you for that promotion. I really appreciate that.
0: (laughs) All right, going back to the role that you ended up getting, not the one you created, but the one the creators created. Yes. It's a really unique dynamic, and I think – well, I personally think it was a great expression of partnership, conscious partnership and love. How did you feel? I mean, I guess being in the role, but really more, I'm sure to prep for it, you had to think about how you would feel in that situation. And, and how would you feel in that situation, do you think?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I believe that love is love is love is love. Mm-hmm. And I believe that um, love does not have limitations. I do believe that you can love many, many people. That love can be expressed in many different ways, perhaps be expressed in similar ways. I think it really is about being secure and comfortable and recognizing what the dynamic is between each individual so that it doesn't feel as though one is somehow an interference of another one. Mm -hmm. So I think that those things can exist simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I was on board with that. Yeah.
0: yeah, I think it was a beautiful expression. And what I took from that is you wouldn't have been bragging about being the number one dad if you were like,
1: not nope. just number I, one, the I, one who made I, it totally. past the goal. Oh goalie. yeah, the real one. He was the
2: real dad. <laughs> That's right. That's
0: right. <laughs> Although maybe they would joke. it. I would think they would joke at times for fun.
2: You yeah. know. <laughs> like, we we probably would, but. That
0: right. Even when you're honoring people, there's got to be a playfulness to it.
1: Oh, definitely, a absolutely. Comfort level,
2: yeah. yeah. Always. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. It was it was great to have in Sense Eight? There's so many different dynamic relationships, yeah. just all over the board. And so yeah. to be able to just even see that, you know, you have three dads that are able and capable of coexisting and loving a daughter together and raising them together. And on top of that, with still having a relationship with the mom. And and just like you said, valuing everybody for who they are individually. And uh, it's just a very beautiful thing to see because I think it it just gives people uh, a different framework maybe of like the potentials in life. And I think that's a lot of what the magic of Sense8 is, is just dipping into the potential of Being a spectrum of a human being and and everything that we can really do without the limitations of all the old beliefs and outdated things that our society carries.
2: So I thought it was great. I really did. I think so, too. I agree with that wholeheartedly. I agree.
0: One of the things that we've talked about throughout doing the series and doing the podcast is how many supporting character roles are giving such deep messages. There isn't one area that's fluff in all of Sense8, there isn't one storyline that doesn't express some form of higher consciousness and love. And every supporting character plays a role in that collective um, storyline. And there's really deep, even in just a few scenes, you can have a really deep impact on people's understanding of how life can be.
2: Yeah, it's so true. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, isn't that also the case in life? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, And I think maybe it's, what's really important is if we are able to pay attention to that.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
2: And recognize that even those that play, quote unquote, supporting roles or small roles in our lives can be extraordinarily impactful. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And just being aware of that.
0: Right. I think that's a beautiful comparison and it's something we all have to remember. I don't know that, that as a collective society that that's emphasized. You know, people are often very tunnel vision, but to stop and yeah. look around is when we notice.
2: I agree. And as, as we're talking about this, something is popping to my head, which I should grab while it's there. All okay. right, <laughs> yeah. So I remember over 20 years ago, I was in New York, and it was New Year's Eve. And I was going, I lived in Brooklyn and I was going to Manhattan to go someplace I don't even recall where I was going. And it was close to midnight. I think it turned midnight while I was on the train from the C train from Brooklyn to Manhattan. And the car I was in was virtually empty. And a woman came on, on the Brooklyn side and sat across from me. And so we were on the train by ourselves in that car by ourselves at midnight. And we struck up a conversation. And I think one of us said, Hey, happy new year. And I said, happy new year as well. (laughs) And we started talking and we, and of course strangers we had never met before just started talking about, I said, well, how was your, how was last year for you? And so she started talking and she asked me and then we talked about what we wanted to do for the coming year. And then by the time we got to our stops in Manhattan, we said, okay, let's hopefully we'll meet each other on the train (laughs) next year and see how it goes. But in any case, you know, have a great year. And she said, have a great year. We gave each other a hug. That's yeah. beautiful. And we got the train. <laughs> and I do not know what she looks like. I don't recall. And I we didn't see each other the following year. <laughs> <laughs> but it was a point in time that I still remember 20 years later.
3: Yeah.
2: I remember that encounter. And I remember that counter uh, encounter of meeting and greeting and sharing with a sense of abandon and care and consideration and being interested and being curious and and having that return, and it's memorable for me. Yeah, it's a very beautiful experience.
0: Yeah, especially on the with the juxtaposition of being in a space that you would usually be. Most people Proud. are very guarded and yeah, no, no interaction or even eye contact. You know
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly.
0: That's gorgeous.
2: So if she's out there.
0: Yeah, she may be hearing this.
2: (laughs) I hope you are fantastic and having a great life. And hey, it's me. (laughs) I'm the guy who's on the train with you.
0: (laughs) Inbox now filling with everyone. Oh, that was me. We are going to get you so many very interesting interactions.
3: <laughs> All right, I'm on board. I'm ready.
0: Awesome. Well, we do have one clip from the show. We like to yeah. play a clip and then talk about your thoughts of what you were thinking, what the concepts as well as the being there.
1: All right, we had the, the whole family together having a meal.
2: The things were much different back then.
0: Oh, mm. so different.
2: There were none of these... Mass shootings. Mm.
0: Oh God, did you see the terrible news? We just heard about it.
2: They always want to blame it on a religion, an ethnic group, or a skin color. But the one thing no one ever wants to say. It's always a man. Some fucking dude not getting any. Violence has a gender. Oh my God, I love your dad.
0: <laughs> I find it fascinating how every generation believes in different things.
2: We believed in pot and sex. <laughs> <laughs> we were Black Panthers. Oh, bad motherfuckers. Now we cook quinoa. <laughs>
0: oh, come on now. You all were more interested in pussy
2: than politics. Oh, and what was the nice Jewish girl from Santa Barbara interested in?
0: I wanted to end patriarchal control over women's bodies.
2: Copulation for
1: a better nation by having <laughs> sex with every homie in Oakland.
0: By any means necessary. Mom. Oh. Um, they exaggerate, honey. <laughs> <laughs> that scene is epic. It's it's yeah, really it's one of my fun. favorite scenes.
2: Uh, thank you.
0: You just um, it just to me it just triggers the dichotomy, which I'm I'm all about. <laughs> I love I love contrast. But mm-hmm. to start with, my stomach kind of starting to knot about all the yuck that we have going on in the world, you know, the school shootings, these things that we're faced with all the time. Mm -hmm. And then to, to bring that into a space that is expressing such unconditional love and exploration. And then my other passion is always the generational discussion. Mm -hmm. I'm, very passionate about honoring the generation that comes and noticing how our generation changes and how what we do now is a variation of what we did as you know as a teenager and things like that so it's just a it's a great scene for me yeah
2: it was great to work on too it was a beautiful setting it was in outside of san francisco Uh, at a location, I can't recall the name of it, but it was very woodsy. And it was a lodge-type setting. And we were on the deck of it. And it was around dusk. Mm. And it was just beautiful. And we were in nature. And it was warm and caring. and, And as an actor, it was also one of those satisfying feelings where I think perhaps everyone has experienced exactly where you want to be and i felt that in spades i felt like this is exactly i'm I'm where i want to be i'm doing what i want to do and i'm with people that do it and care about it as well and it felt so aligned in so many ways
0: that's beautiful well i think that feeling comes through in the scene oh good yeah
1: it kind of made me feel like i was sitting down to like a good family dinner to me like just the way the (laughs) conversation's going back and forth and just kind of having a, a good time talking about life. Like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, that's Lana. That's Lana's doing. Lana, I can't say enough about her brilliance, her care, her consideration to detail, and her writing. It all lends itself to all those things you're describing, Zach. Yeah.
1: It's yeah. good stuff. Trey, as you know, this podcast is focused on how we live a sensate life. Yes. And how we can carry that message forward basically. And you're certainly doing this. And and we got to sit down in San Francisco and have a brief conversation over some some dinner. And it was it was great to meet you and just learn a little bit about you. But can you share with us how you yourself integrate the concepts of consciousness that Sensei presents to us in your life?
2: The word that comes to mind is is empathy. I think that's a key part of something that I attempt to have as a present quality when I engage and interact, whether it be in the capacity of teaching, uh, in the capacity of, of performing or directing, and in the capacity of facilitating conversations that can be challenging, but always reminding myself to be in the practice of being empathetic. And I think that's one of the strong aspects of Sense8, as well as and, and having applying that to any and all situations, regardless of if they're familiar or not. And I think that's a key aspect of Sense8 as well, that it's not just being sympathetic or empathetic or compassionate to your friends or your family or people that look like you or people that are geographically near you or share the same culture or or any of those types of identifiers, but also being able to expand that into people in areas that aren't like you, that aren't similar, that aren't familiar, and recognize that there's the common factor, common denominator of being a being on the planet, mm-hmm. or being an entity in the universe, or being an element <laughs> in the atmosphere. However you want to describe it, and I think that that's something that parallels my understanding of Sense8 and how I like to operate on the planet.
0: So for you, and I am i know we've met a lot of the actors in it. it, it was similar that they already were on a path of this understanding or living life that way before. But um, for you, certainly, because you fell in love because it resonated so much with you and then you worked your way in. <laughs> um, you yeah. know. Is this an essence? Do you feel like you've always been this way? You say empathic or empathy. Is this who you've been throughout your whole life, do you think? Is that an essence that you have?
2: I would like to believe so. I think that I'm an only child. And I had amazing parents that were very supportive and encouraged me in every possible way. And I think that being an only child... I was interested and curious in reaching out past the house and past mm-hmm. my home to meet all different types of people. And to and more as a curiosity, I think, like, oh, how do other children operate or act or <laughs> what do they do and what do they play with? And so I think that made me curious. And I think somewhere around that time, and I always had pets mm-hmm. um, that were like siblings to me, so... I think somehow there was that early introduction or desire to connect and to care about things outside of myself, whether it be, be humans or animal. And my father was very much a Renaissance person and was a huge gardener. Mm-hmm. So he would grow all the herbs, you know, that we ate and we had a huge pear tree. So uh, he would make pear cobbler, pear wine, pear, Any if it could be done with a pear,
3: <laughs>
2: he would do it. And believe it or not, many things could be done with a pear. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I think that all those things were contributing factors, but I think that I always did have that. And I went to a high school that uh, was one where there was a lot of diversity. Mm-hmm. So, it even expanded my ability to meet new people, to see different things, to uh hear different ways of being in the world and 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 I appreciated that. I like those distinctions and differences. Yeah, and I found that those things added to me and and who how I could move in the world.
0: And I need to jump from that to some of the things you're doing now. But first I wanna come back because I'm being sparked with some more curiosity as I sure. listen to you. What other aspects of the sensate do you resonate with? Do you, do you feel the telepathic tendencies at times? You know, they play themselves out different in real life, but I yeah. just have this feeling that you're doing more than just empathy from that.
2: <laughs> I do think that we have many other senses than the ones that we recognize as such. Mm-hmm. I think that, and I I don't know if I have names for them or if they're similar or like the names that we have for things that we don't, that are considered other senses, but I do think there's ways of communicating that that we haven't explored. I think there's ways of recognizing environments and situations that we can, uh, that we know in some way, instinctively, or And on some level, we're receiving information that we can't, we have no way of qualifying or quantifying it, but just it's coming Mm -hmm. uh, towards us in ways that we can't quite express or understand at this point. I think there are other ways of being on the planet. I always, and I felt like with my pets, that I consider my familiars, Mm -hmm. I think that they're always around me. (laughs) In, in, in whatever, in physical form or and not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that they have always been a presence in my life in some way, shape, or form. So I do think that's the case. Yeah, I do. As
0: you were talking, I was thinking about when I first saw you in San Francisco, and we had met really briefly in Chicago, but I was... Doing some energy work on someone, and then I opened my eyes and I looked up. So I hadn't seen you come in, (laughs) and I looked up, and you were across the room, and you looked at me like we were like old friends. (laughs) Like, (laughs) like, oh, (laughs) it was such a, it was, you know. I think that that's that what you're talking about—that familiar and that that energy that moves beyond and opens up to other people. And um, there was just this sense of, oh, yeah, there's Trey. We've known each other forever, which wasn't the case down here. You know? uh, yeah. And, and also, but, yeah. No,
3: go
2: ahead. I'm sorry.
0: No, that's all. I was just saying that you just you just had that energy to you, like your energy moved out past you.
2: Oh, thank you. Uh, and I also think that that has one question, the whole idea of time. Mm-hmm. And how time exists? Yeah. Because sometimes when I've had similar situations, it feels as though, oh, I, oh yes, we've already met. Oh right. yes, I know you already. <laughs> like, like almost. So it's almost as though we've already had the time or experience together, or the future has already occurred, Enough. and the present moment is just a remind. Oh yeah, we've done this already, right? <laughs> right. We've been here.
0: Oh yeah, we got to do it here now. For- we
2: met. Oh right. yes, I know you already. Like like almost so it's almost as though we've already had the time or experience together or the future has already occurred Enough. and the present moment is just a uh, remind oh yeah, we've done this already, right? <laughs> right? We've been here. Oh yeah, we
0: gotta do it here now first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree.
3: Yeah. yeah hey, how are you Again, I
1: think. This has kind of synchronistic conversation with one of the conversations we had with uh, Mr. Michael Summers, too, because we're talking about communicating and empathy and communicating with animals mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. the whole difference in time, too. And so we kind of had, I just thought it was cool to bring up because, like, it wasn't, you know, we're on the same topic. We're topics. on the same topic and we're yeah. talking about Sense8 and communication and, it's really cool.
0: Yeah. Well, wow. So you're applying all of your gifts and your skills and your empathy and the way you are with the world into some pretty amazing projects right now. On top of the acting and the writing, which I didn't even get into. I mean, you have written so much and um, including two solo performance pieces and a six-part web series three short films. I mean, you you just, you, you do prolific. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. 30, 31 short plays. Like that's, that's a lot.
2: Yeah. Uh, the 31 short plays. That's interesting. That wasn't something I intended to do two months prior to doing it. Wow. What happened was I went back to Chicago to caretake for my parents and, uh, It was a really interesting, fascinating experience to do that. There's something to having to caretake for another human being that is, for me, it feels like it was a growth spurt like none other. Mm -hmm. Because, as I mentioned, I'm an only child. I didn't have a lot of family in Chicago, and I hadn't lived in Chicago in a while, so I do have friends in Chicago, but it was friends in terms of we were long distance for a while and what have you, and plus, it was, for me... It was an overwhelming experience to have to manage caretaking for my parents, Uh, in some ways overwhelming. Uh, So what I found myself doing is because it was pretty much on me to manage this and I couldn't leave, I needed something to uh, be a countermeasure, a counteractivity to what I was finding as stress Mm -hmm. in the situation. And so I thought okay, I'll take a page out of Susie Laurie Park's book when, and start. She wrote a play a year, play a day for, for a year. Wow. It's 365-day plays. It's, yeah, really quite a feat. And so I thought, well, I don't know if I can do it for a year, but let me try <laughs> to do it days. for a month. <laughs> <you> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so I decided for that, the next month that was coming was August. So I decided, okay, I'm going to take on the challenge of writing a play a day for a month. Yeah. And it achieved what I wanted it to achieve. What it did was it gave me something else as something to focus on in the face of what was going on in the circumstance. And it gave me this way of moving out of that present reality into a created, imagined reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it also made me have to be even more attentive to everything that was going on during the day because, you know, at the start of the morning, it would be like, okay, of course I'm writing a play today, so where's the inspiration coming from? Is it something I'm going to hear as I'm walking down the street? Is it something I'm going to see when I'm driving the car? Is it something I'm going to smell or something I read in the newspaper or something I'm going to see online? I mean, so I was, I was always, my antenna were up in terms of what will be the, the prompt Right. To create a piece for today. And so it, it varied every day. It was something different, something new. And uh, and I was able to do it. So I wrote 31 plays that, that month. Wow. It was an extraordinary situation. And the, it was so many, there were so many gifts involved in that. And one of the main gifts that was involved, I'd done this before in terms of a piece I wrote, but this one, it solidified this thinking for me. And that thinking is that... For me, art, besides all the reasons why I choose to be an artist, but I recognized wholeheartedly that it's something that I can use to lean on, but I need Mm -hmm. something to lean on. Mm -hmm. It It was something that gave me a source of support and comfort and care that was something I was able to create on my own in the space of not really having that supplied in the way I would have liked in other ways Mm -hmm. and so it felt like it felt like this magical gift that i was so incredibly grateful to have um to draw from
0: that's amazing i want to see those plays
2: (laughs) oh thank you yeah (laughs)
0: yeah that's amazing and i can really relate because as you know since we were in san francisco i dove right into very intensive parental care for the last few months and And for me, my creative source is is my work and and the work I do with people and and helping them connect to their soul and draw out their creativity. And it was a lifeline, like, and Zach will attest to it, because I could be just, like, steamrolled, you know, and then move into that, and I'd come out hot. You know I mean? I could be right in the moment, and when everything's coming at you, and you open up to that creativity, and you do have to be in the moment. And it just opens the flow of everything. And, and it was a lifeline. In my own way, that creative source energy was a lifeline to me over the last six weeks. So I, I think it's been eight now. <laughs> I keep saying six. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, yeah. But I can really relate to I think that's amazing. And I bet you that what you created was astounding you know like even if you're saying oh it was a play in a day you're so raw at that time and so uh open for creativity to come through you
1: yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, re- I really liked how you you said it was a kind of a, a realization for yourself like that you actually have this tool available to you and you realized that and now you can do that the rest of your life anytime yeah. you need to right like that's that's invaluable in my opinion because life's up and downs and sometimes it's stressful and sometimes it's not. And I think it's really great to um, have that. And especially another thing that you said there too, was that you were able to pour yourself into it and create, and it was something you could do. And I think that's really important in creativity, but just also when when we have to um, caretake outside of ourselves, that's also a way to fill ourselves back up because we're kind of, pouring our our love into our creativity, which is our self and character. Yes. Right, and that fills us back up.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, and kind of to piggyback on what you just said, Zach, I think exercise. Oh mm-hmm. yeah. Those two things were really life-saving mm-hmm. because I think one on the mental, emotional, spiritual way, and then the other on the physical way and just, getting endorphins or getting movement um also would change like they've always we always been told that that can change mood and disposition Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah both those things were really helpful to me yeah great
0: yeah and you've used creative work to help others back when you were working in new york you want to talk about the project you did with the prisons in new york
2: Yeah, sure. I was working for a while with Manhattan Theatre Club. They have a program called Right on the Edge. And what they would do is they take teaching artists, guest artists to different environments um, with students to help them create their first to show them what a play was, and then help them create their own plays. And then once we helped them with editing and working on the plays, we and a couple of more actors would come in and perform the plays. In their environment. Mm-hmm. So, and one of those places we went to was Rikers Island Academy, which is the part of Rikers Island that maintains people under 18. Mm-hmm. And they're separate prisons, of course, for the men, the boys and the girls. And so I worked on both sides at uh, different times. And it was amazing. Another way that art can heal is that so often in those environments, you're known for what you're there for. Mm-hmm. Uh, what crime you're committed or what crime you're accused of committing. And then the, the kids would write their plays and more of the population would see the plays performed and they know who wrote it. Then after we leave, they're known for the play or they're cool. known as writer person or, yeah. or actor person <laughs> or, or play person or things that gave them another way of being viewed, not only the way they viewed themselves, but how others viewed them. hmm. They transform and then begin to see themselves in different ways than how they're initially perceived. And I think that hopefully that can something be something that they carry on well past their time in incarceration.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful thing too, right? Because you get to know yourself as more. You get to experience people having compassion for you because they see you as more. And you do that for them, right? Because you see them as more and you give them that opportunity. And I think that is something that... Is it could be taken on, you know, for the rest of your life, and you can just afford people, that that mentality or attitude as you go through your life. So I I think that's very transformational, very cool.
0: Yeah, I am one of the board members of Aduna Magazine, which is an art magazine, and. The founder of that does the same type of thing in prisons near here. He, he joins up with other people and they go in and they help them write and then present it. And the stories that I've heard of transformation and some of the people is, it's just gorgeous.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's helpful in so many ways. I think that one of the ways it's also helpful is you begin to see yourself other than being yourself. If that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So you can kind of see yourself in a world. You can create yourself in a world, in an environment, and then you can create what happens in that world. And there's something about being able to have that as a practice or something that you can make happen that you don't have to feel the conditions of your world Mm -hmm. um, only. Right. Yeah. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of my philosophy when I'm working with people is that imagination is the springboard to our transformation. If we can't mm. imagine it, we can't create it. And, or when we can imagine it, we can create it. And I think you're talking about often a population that has not had enough, you know, if you're in survival mode, you don't have the freedom to do a lot of imagining. And so if you can't even see yourself out of that situation, there isn't a way out. So by opening that up for them, even though it just may seem like a beautiful thing for the moment, it could definitely be a life changer just by unlocking that part of their consciousness.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: So thank you for doing
2: that. Well, it was my pleasure. I feel as though I I learned and grew as much as I may have helped anyone else learn.
0: Yeah. And you're carrying on with your gifts to our world. You're in a global organization, too, right? For bringing diversity, race, gender, culture, sexuality, conversations. Tell us about that.
2: Yeah. There's a company that's based in New York that I worked with before I even moved to L.A. that is pretty amazing. Uh, it's called CSW Global. And what they do is they get hired by different companies, uh, MBA programs, a lot of MBA programs, uh, corporations, and invited to talk about these issues around gender, race, culture, and sexuality. And, um, and I'm, I'm part of their team that does that. So I've had the amazing, wonderful gift and benefit to travel all around the country Uh, with this work for those particular organizations, but also to go globally. So I've gone to Australia and Canada and Israel, and it's been really fascinating to do this work in different places and have those types of conversations.
1: Can you um, tell us what it's like to be part of one of those conversations?
2: You know, it varies each time, (laughs) as you can imagine. Yeah. And with each subject, it varies, Mm -hmm. as you can imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, what I can say from my experience of it is that it's talk about having to listen actively uh, is really a component to it. Recognizing that there are very different feelings about different issues, and very different experiences, and very different perceptions and finding for me to facilitate these conversations what the learning has been is how to be present to all of them mm-hmm. in a way to to be present to them and to when necessary I don't want to say challenge but to to have other things be considered to keep introducing possibilities mm-hmm. to keep hoping to expand the thinking around certain things. And so it's, uh, that's what I think is the biggest experience for me. And also I think for me, it has me, it's taught me to be much more willing to hear
3: yeah. and
2: much more willing to have this thing that I often say now, which is things that appear opposite can exist simultaneously, so I've been expanded by these conversations and my knowledge has increased in hearing the different perspectives and, and the, the cause and the reasons how things, thoughts get, perceptions get created. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's been fascinating.
1: I, I can imagine. I was so intrigued when you told me this the first time that you facilitated these conversations like, oh, man, you can dig into this. Um, And just probably talk about it for forever, really, because there's so much there. And I mean, you've gotten a chance to listen to so many different perspectives from different countries and cultures. It's very sensate to me, too. (laughs) Right. And these are very these are very challenging things that are kind of at the surface of our culture now. Like they've always been here. Right. But now because of the Internet and the exposure to all of this stuff, um, and the changes that we're going through, all of this kind of stuff is just kind of surfacing to the top, so we have to see what's going on like it's it's coming up to the surface, so humanity needs to look at the the spectrum of life that we have, right, and sometimes it is it might be to hold true to a certain value, and sometimes it might be to loosen up and open up and be like, oh well maybe maybe what this person just said is a more functional perspective to experience life than another. So I just, I thought this was amazing and uh, I just couldn't imagine how challenging it must be sometimes because these are some hot topics.
2: (laughs) It definitely can be challenging. I think though to follow up with what you just said, these types of conversations are happening in many, many different forms and ways all over the thing that I think is really important is to have these conversations with care Mm -hmm. and with consideration and with grace. I think the biggest and most important word is willingness, a willingness to listen, Mm -hmm. a willingness to be in discomfort Mm -hmm. and a willingness to create environments that are safe regardless of, the things that appear different.
0: I was going to ask you what you would recommend people that wanted to bring those conversations into their daily life. And I think you just summed it up. Is there anything else you would tell people that maybe not in a facilitated setting want to open up to these conversations more organically in their lives?
2: Yeah, I would say <laughs> it's something so simple, but I think it's something that Right now, at this point in time, we're not as much in the thoughtful practice of, and that is listening. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Wait, what did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot. I wasn't listening.
0: What? Right. <laughs> <laughs> All kidding aside, I think that's brilliant. I think... No. We forget to listen. I can find myself doing it at times. I'm like, my face is on you and I'm hearing you and I'm racing something else in my head at the same time, you know? I'm like, stop that, Sheila.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sheila, you can multitask.
0: Well, I can. I am very good at that. But people deserve my full attention when I'm in front of them.
2: (laughs) But I do. I think that's the key. I do think that listening is such a vital component to it. And that can be the key to any conversation anywhere,
3: yeah. Uh,
2: mm-hmm. Any group being willing to to listen and hear, and and I think the other thing that I'm in more recognition of is that anyone's point of view and beliefs are based on what they've experienced and what they've been told and the environments they've been in, yep. right? And, and that if you substitute substitute anyone else, any other human being into that particular environment, circumstance, situation, they might result with the same belief or same thinking or same feeling or same sentiment. So that if that type of understanding and recognition is that there's a basis for these things that people evolve into, uh, that's not necessarily because they are bad or wrong or mean or these things, but these are, this was the context Mm -hmm. that created such. And that, that's the good thing because maybe possible if there's willingness, new information
3: mm-hmm. can
2: possibly have some effect on these things. New experiences, yeah. new encounters, new engagements, um, new forms of expression can can have an its affect its effect if there's willingness. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And in the flip side and if we do just get into the argumentative energy, we're just enforcing the separation that's occurring right and yes. then so don't do that <laughs>
1: Then loop loop, round we go yeah. right just like doing the same old stuff hmm. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so i like to think to listening i love what you said listening in from their perspective get in their perspective and you know for all the listeners here <laughs> practice um Sharing, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. You know, get in and look at it through their eyes, and like you said, realize I would be just like that if I if I had maybe maybe we're all we're all slightly different, but we at least would be closer to that understanding um, if we were in their shoes. But also, also listen for the subtleties.
2: Yeah, go ahead. and also that that that, that differences can be complementary, mm-hmm. and they can actually be very can be fun. Um, One of my first roommates was uh, a person named Chris. I give his last name, but I don't know if he... I I don't know if it's right. His name is Chris. He's a great person. Chris, if you're listening, hey, Chris. (laughs) We grew up very differently. It had really very strong, different points of view about a lot of things. And so when we first started living together, it was challenging because... Pretty much anything was something we had a disagreement about. <laughs> and so we decided, and I hope this word doesn't exist in another language and means something completely different, but <laughs> we invented a word, kanuka. <laughs>
3: <laughs> i word, heard of
2: it. <laughs> okay. yeah. But we don't so know a lot of languages. If there's a kanuka or listeners, if there's a kanuka <laughs> word, please forgive me. We didn't know. So we invented the word kanuka, which meant, that at any point in a conversation or engagement or slash argument that we're having, if either one of us said Kanuka, it meant that we had to stop that conversation and change the subject immediately. So safe word. That's a safe word. What, yeah. like a, safe yeah. word. <laughs> <laughs> a safe word just in conversation. Right.
0: That's perfect. We all yeah. need one of those.
2: <laughs> so what would happen is we'd be in the middle of something. And then one of us would say, well, you know what I think? I think kanuka.
3: <laughs>
2: and then we give each other a look like, okay, what do you want to eat? Or like that. <laughs> and it became this fun thing how we just toss it in there whenever yeah. we wanted to, especially when maybe someone was making a point that we couldn't really <laughs> find very well or fight against. But we, and, and he's a friend now to this day. Oh, awesome. oh
0: that's awesome.
2: <laughs> yeah, I adore him. He's amazing.
0: Canuka to the rescue! Yeah. That's
1: right. That's right. Canuka, Canuka is hug. very,
2: very catchy. Canuka
0: hug. I know. I I hope you don't mind, but that might be in
1: my vocabulary right
2: now. Okay. Yeah. Wait a minute. I better do something about that yeah. word. Copyright it. That's you right. Should. You better. Yeah, for sure. You heard it here first, Canuka. I don't my know. Word. I don't
0: think you can copyright a word because I had a friend who made up a word and it got really popular locally, and he went oh. to. Um, to trademark it or something, and he couldn't. <laughs>
1: so, oh, wow.
0: Because he was using, like, he had bumper stickers and stuff, you know? So, oh, wow.
1: you got to make it a symbol.
0: Yeah. It's got to have a symbol with it. Then you can trademark it. Yeah. Market. And then yeah. people,
1: <laughs> then then the branding will take its Random things that <laughs> are its in my power, head. And you'll be yeah. all right. They'll be like, oh, yeah. That's Trey. You heard about Trey Kanuka. That's his word. Yeah. Oh, great.
0: Yeah. I just I mean, took I mean, I a. Mean, you should. Yeah. Just, uh, I will get a, a bumper sticker. I don't even have any bumper <laughs> stickers on my car. But if you make a Kanuka one, I will do that.
2: <laughs> uh, thank you. And, you know, who knows? Maybe we could, you know, do products and it could, yeah. wind, up, it could wind up supporting my companion driving exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> business. Exactly.
0: Call a Kanuka.
1: Right. <laughs> Get yourself an app, it's all good.
0: <laughs> we have totally restructured your life we here do, today. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we can get your app, we can do some mindfulness techniques and some meditation right. for Kanuka and uh, <laughs> maybe we can get some like some conversation starters and, like at random, like oh, strangers, game. right? On, the, <laughs> on a subway, you're like, hey, let's play this game, all right. <laughs> and just have a conversation yeah
0: when you wake up tomorrow in the alternate reality remember like oh man where am I traveling across country how did I get here
2: <laughs> or, or or even bet so today in the country of kanuka <laughs> <right>?
0: <laughs> You're the king. (laughs) Right?
2: The king of (laughs) Kanuka.
0: So, thinking of all this creativity, the last topic I wanted to talk to you about is one of your really passionate... I mean, I think you're so passionate about all of these things, but maybe I'm the one that's most passionate about this. (laughs) Let's talk about your creator's lab. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So, here in Los Angeles, there's an amazing studio called the BGB Studio. And it's primarily for actors. Uh, They have different options for training. And about a year ago, they invited me to lead a class that we've titled The Creator's Lab. And what it is, is it's a class for actors that are interested in starting to create their own content. One of the challenges slash opportunities (laughs) of being an actor is that you're often in the practice of auditioning and submitting yourself for work and for hire. Mm -hmm. And one of the challenges slash opportunities Mm -hmm. for actors is how to continue to do that in a way that still you can maintain some self-esteem around it, Mm -hmm. uh, some satisfaction in the practice of the audition or the submission process. Um, But, you know, often or not, there can be a quality to that of feeling as though your right to create is at the whim of others mm. and and having to be selected or chosen by someone else to be given permission to create and be creative. And so this is an amazing time mm. that we're in for artists because now we can take the realms. Mm-hmm. We can write our own stuff. We can direct our own stuff. We can shoot our own stuff they are platforms to present our own stuff. Right. And I think that actors should take advantage of that. Uh, it doesn't mean that you have to stop auditioning or can't be available for someone else's artistry or art. But what about creating your own? Mm-hmm. And I think that actors don't give themselves enough credit for what they're capable of creating on their own. I think that being an actor, in general, I think that being an actor, you're an observer of human nature. You've you're been in situations where you've been directed or you've work, work on pieces that have been written by someone else. And so you learn things like dramaturgy. You learn things about directing. And I think that sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit for what we've learned in the process of just being an actor. Hmm. And so I say, start creating your own stuff and start having your voice being heard and start having your expression being something that's out there along with anybody else's. And I think that act of itself can even lend itself to being a better actor for other people and being an actor in general, yeah. because we're not so dependent on someone else. You have your own funnel to create your possibilities. And that's what the Creators Lab is. It's, uh, we meet once a week, seven o'clock to 10 on Wednesday nights now. Um, and you can sign up every month. And what we do is we work on pieces. I most often give a prompt to start people writing their pieces and then follow through and edit and read them. And we tape everything because we're still actors. Mm-hmm. So it's not only because we want to be able to refer to what we wrote or what we created, but also because we want to keep practicing being on camera mm-hmm. and keep our performance muscles working. And, um, and we create it, uh, treat it like a lab. Like we're exploring, we're working this stuff out, we're yeah. figuring it out we're getting it wrong, we're getting it right, but it's all in a safe environment so that we can continue to practice it.
1: It almost sounds like uh it could be a paradigm shift mm. for some actors. That's what I think. Because you know, you're you're right. What you said in the very beginning is, you know, kinda we're we're brought up in a way and we do we need people's permission to do things, right? And now yeah. we're so supported by technology. Yeah that with, it's just, it's incredible how accessible it is to be creative with the technology we have. Like, quite mm-hmm. literally, we're in our house and we have a podcast studio.
2: Exactly. Right? Like, exactly. And so we're,
1: we're leveraging that. And um, these things aren't, don't have astronomical costs like they used to. And the production there is, is a, it's just way more valuable. So the piece that isn't is the mindset where I need yes. permission right so yes. if you're in there changing people's minds and changing that paradigm for them that is, I think that's a great shift right that's that uh, it's beautiful
2: I agree I agree
0: how can people reach out to join I personally have a referral for the spring she's in New York right now but when she gets back I wanted to, I want her to contact you but yeah how do people that would qualify for that reach out to you
2: they would contact BGB Studio.
0: Okay.
2: It's located in North Hollywood, and it's online. You can get the telephone number or email address online. They have a website. And the Creator's Lab is one of the offerings that they have. And you can sign up you know, each month, and we meet uh, four times, usually four times a month, on Wednesday evenings from 7 till 10. And it's been great, and I have lovely artists involved that are doing amazing stuff that are committed to creating their own work and finding their own voices. And it's been fascinating. You learn as much just by witnessing other people in the practice of doing it Mm -hmm. as you are by being in the practice of doing it. And one last thing around that that I found and I discovered when I did the 31 pieces I wrote when I was with my family is that it didn't matter. When I wrote those pieces, it wasn't the intention of having them perform Mm -hmm. I didn't even have a thought around you know what was going to happen after August because that wasn't the reason why I was doing it Mm -hmm. right so so I want people to recognize that the choice to create something doesn't have anything or relied or dependent or connected to whatever it results it's the practice of creating something that has its own fulfillment uh, that can be enormous and that's what I experienced that's
0: so important to remind all creators because as soon as we make creativity of any kind our career, you have that dichotomy, and sometimes yeah. you forget what the what creation really is, and yeah. create true creation is just purely for creating without the thinking of how it fits into a plan.
2: Yes. Yes, exactly. And that
1: struggle is
2: real. <laughs> <laughs> or opportunity is real. Oh, right, right, <laughs>
3: or yeah. Challenge is real.
1: <laughs>
2: because, you know, I think words have power. They, they do. do have power. They yeah.
0: do. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. Is there anything else that we didn't cover today that you want to share with the Sensate fandom and mm-hmm. anyone else who will listen?
2: Uh The only thing I would say, and I think I said this during the podcast, the last podcast I was on with you, which is to all your listeners and supporters and fans of the show, just the biggest thank you, Mm -hmm. the biggest, biggest, biggest thank you. And just to share my appreciation and admiration and recognition for those that the show connected to. It was such an experience. It was a great experience for us. It was a great experience for me to be in it. But it was a great experience for me to be a fan of it as well. Mm-hmm. And I felt like when when we went around and, and we would meet some of the fans, I felt such a connectedness. Yeah. I felt such a sense of warmth and care and and appreciation. And almost, I think that what I saw in other people's eyes was the thing I felt when I was watching the show, which is that's my way of moving in the world. And that's how I want to be in the world. And that's the type of dynamic I want to have around me in the world. And that's what made it so thrilling and exciting for me. It's like, oh my gosh, that's me. That's, that's, that's my ideal life and world and environment and people. And oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. To have that type of reflection was tremendous for me. And I think I see that when I see people that like the show, that yeah. it resonates in that realm of how we can care and love and support and be there for each other in ways that, that don't have any type of boundaries. Mm-hmm. So, so just a thank you to all of those people listening. And thank, to, thanks to you two for creating this situation and circumstance to continue this discussion. I think it's amazing. So that's my last word. I, I really appreciate all of you so much. Thank that's you, Trey.
0: Beautiful. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Thank we appreciate you. that. Thank yeah. you for being in it, for being a part of it, for talking with us, but for thank you for your essence. Yes. Thank you
1: for your essence. That's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And I want to give a big special thank you to L, Trey Wilson, for spending your time here with us today on the podcast. Uh, what a great time we had. We had lots of laughs, Lots of great conversation. Thank you, Miss Sarah Applegate, for editing the Live Sense 8 podcast. And of course, thank you all for listening to our podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show and thank you for all your support on social media. If you want to get
3: a hold of us,